0: Starting off with my top three, I'd say my first one would just be how nice the weather has been yesterday and half of today in Omaha, Nebraska, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yep, I'm gonna keep saying it like that too. But I'd say that's just, yep, fave, number one. It was like 70 degrees yesterday, sunny. The only thing was not that was not my fave was the wind. But that's just spring here. But yep, that's number one. Nice weather. Second fave is another business shout out, Wall to Wall Wine. I believe it is. Um, I got mango cart there again, hell yeah, out of the mango cart. Um, mango cart is a good shout out, um, as a fave, I'm drinking one right now. I'm almost done with my first one, but, um, it's by golden road brewing. It's a mango wheat ale and they have a ton of different, um, like flavors, but the entire series is inspired by the iconic fruit cart vendors of Los Angeles. And so all of the art on the cans has like the different, um, like fruit cart vendors and like the Los Angeles strip of where they have the markets at oh my gosh they're so good this is the OG the yellow can but that's my second fave here all cheers you guys cheers <laughs> last but certainly not least is another business shout out because I'm looking to my right and I'm seeing my snake plant and this is absolutely one of my faves chlorophyll chlorophyll right across from the inner rail you have to go in there if you've not been in there you have to go in there seriously (laughs) I'm not over exaggerating it's gorgeous 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 so well merchandise so well um like the displays are just so intricate it's art it's beautiful um it's all live plants they are very educated in their industry they're very outgoing um I am a huge believer in real plants I think they're really good for mental health they're also really good for your physical health and they're beautiful and chlorophyll is a local business um i believe and they are in exarban um they're on the opposite side you cannot see them from the road but they literally face in a rail and i got um this plant from them i've gotten a few things from them but i got this snake plant in my room from them and i also got a halo light I like a grow light from them and they have some really gorge 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 stuff like that um vases um grow kits uh pots real plants they do classes. Um, yeah, they are the best. Lizzie loves chlorophyll too. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Welcome to episode six. And in episode six, I'm talking about friendship. Talked about dating. Also have to talk about friendship. And This one is one of my faves to talk about because I am in the process and have been in the process for the last year or so. It all happened at the start of recovery of kind of like reevaluating my support system and reevaluating my inner circle and not in like a, you know, chopping block type deal. They make one mistake and they're cut type thing but just like stepping back, reevaluating how my relationships with others were serving me, how I was serving them, if the friendship was something that seemed beneficial to both of us. Yay. If not, if it seemed like mm, it was hurting both of us or there was more problems on both sides or one side or whatever, uh then right now it's easiest to just not have that um conflict in my life. That's kind of how I was looking at it. So I thought that'd be a fun um, topic for today. And I'm thinking that I can share a lot of wisdom on this, especially for people who are younger than me. Specifically, I'm not saying that men don't have problems with friends, but women, especially if you're younger, like if you're in your teens or like your early 20s, like kind of just starting school, starting college, or you're just whatever, whatever. Being a female and having female friends is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. So hopefully I can make other people feel a little more normal in their friendships and their struggles um, because we all have them. So, yep. So yeah, I'm not like this episode is not a burn book. It's not a hate letter delivered to your home. It's not, you know, out of spite. It's literally just Kind of like therapy, talking through the thought process behind how my friendships in my life operate or, like, how I perceive them to be operating. Um, Why I will decide... Oh, my. Why I would decide to put boundaries up with somebody and stop being friends with them. And when... I started having problems in my friendships, like exactly when and why. And I think that'll be fun to break down because it's all very like normal people stuff. I'm Like it's literally just exactly like your struggles, I'm sure, with your friends. So we'll be able to chat back and forth about it. And Frankie just really wants to go and enjoy this beautiful day. <laughs> One moment. So... This is interesting because one of the tattoos that I just got is kind of about this, like said, standing up for yourself and setting boundaries and how I was like retaught that in really, I don't want to say harshly because that's not the correct word at all, but it was like really drilled into my brain in the first year of recovery, specifically for my case. I can't say, and I'm not saying that that's how it is for everybody. But in my case, that is what one of the many things that was drilled into my head in the therapy side specifically i talked about it in the nutrition nutrition side as well but it was more obviously talked about in the therapy side the tattoo that i got is it just says no and the n and o are like the eyes of a smiley face and like when before i was diagnosed with an eating disorder and before i started recovery all my life truly i was a people pleaser And I feel like when people hear that term, they immediately think somebody who is, like, super quiet, super reserved, like, is a yes man. But, like, a people pleaser can still be somebody who is, like, the loud one in the room, but they just don't know how to say no to, like, oh, do you want to hang out today? And they're, like, super busy, but they just really don't want to upset you, so they say yes. And then they spread themselves thin. And they can be extroverted and outgoing and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a common misconception. Anyway, that was one of my biggest issues when um, I was in the depths of my eating disorder as well. Um, I would just overload myself so bad in work, workload, um, personal life, like friendship commitments, because it was all stuff that I wanted to do, but it's just like you only have 24 hours in a day and you simply can't book yourself for like (laughs) 18 of them and expect yourself to like be in good health, <laughs> you know? It just won't work. So that was something that was really drilled into my head early on was saying no, setting boundaries respectfully. Um, kind of like getting people around you and your support system used to you setting boundaries, especially if it was something that was foreign to you doing and like a new behavior that was going to shock people, which in my case it was. So like I literally had to sit down with some of my family and friends and be like, listen, I'm going to have to start drawing boundaries (laughs) and this is what it's going to look like. And like, please don't get mad. It's not anything about you. It's just about right now what I need to do for my recovery. And don't take it personally, but it's just something that I need to start doing. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. That's how bad of a people pleaser I was. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, um, I started figuring that out and it, it was a not easy. The first year of recovery is, especially like the first few months, hard Dissed experience I've ever had in my life. Like, because like you're making the I like chose to go through recovery, so it wasn't like I didn't have any um resentment towards it. Well, of course I did, like as I started naturally. That's very natural to feel that way. But I didn't have like resentment towards getting treatment because I chose to go through recovery. So but the first few months were really, really hard because I don't think anyone understands how time consuming and literally like going through eating disorder recovery is a full time job. It is like rewiring your brain and changing all of your daily habits in your life. And so I was like engulfed in it because you have to be. And I wasn't upset that other people weren't engulfed with it in it with me, but I was really like upset at how much lack of understanding there was for what I was going through and like I was obviously I didn't take that out on people but I would like try to educate my family and friends and it just like wouldn't either the people that are still around and the people that I you know in my family would take those things and learn from them and like actually like I start using them in their daily vocabulary and like ask me questions that were on like a list of things that my therapist said to ask me every so often that are just casual questions, stuff like that. But then with the friendship thing is that like once I started drawing boundaries or I started to uh, express like concerns or tweaks in the way that I was expecting to be treated after um, – going through recovery and for a little bit and just noticing that there was a lot of issues in my friendships around me. And so, and I wasn't going to like put them, burn them all in flames, but there was a lot of work to be done. And so anyway, once I started doing that is really when it started to, spiral a for me. Um, but I feel like I'm at the point now where I have like a good support system and it's like exactly everybody who has stood the test of time (laughs) for real. And As you get older, it definitely gets smaller. Mine has always been small. I've never been one to have a big friend group, ever, I don't think. I've never been in a big friend group, and that's not, like, a shame on them. I think those are really cool, too, like, because, yeah, respect to those, but, like, I just have never been one of those people. So, yeah, that's a little ramble on that, Um, but that's why, like, I talk so hard and stand up so hard on, like, standing up for yourself and saying no, because I... I never did, and it changed my life. It literally changed my life and all my relationships. So yeah, let's start with that. And that was like the hardest thing for me to do because I, the reason, I did not always used to be a people pleaser. I turned into a people pleaser, I'd say like freshman year of college and then into recovery. And it was because I did, did not want conflict anymore. Like I had been in relationships, romantic relationships, like with boyfriends, I'd had been in relationships, like friendships that were just always like conflict, fighting, drama, yelling, arguing, rumors, hatred, literally like just horrible, 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 horrible situations. And I was just so done and had no energy to be having any conflict. And so even if something would go really, really wrong or I'd be like really hurt by something or really mad at something, it would happen and I would just act like it didn't happen and go home and be like, well, I'd bitch about it to like my family or not like bitch about it and talk shit, but I'd like talk through it with them or I'd talk through it with my now ex and my most infamous line, and I know all of you have heard this, (laughs) my most infamous line is if someone's like, well, why don't you like address it? I'm like, well, I just don't, I don't have the energy. Like I literally don't have the energy. I don't want to, it's like not even worth my time to bring that up because nine times out of 10, everyone is not great at reacting to criticism, especially in a friendship. And it's going to cause a little something. And so I would always just be like, "Mm, fuck it. I'm not saying a word. (laughs) I'm not saying a word. And obviously that's not a good way to approach it because it'll build up and explode. But that is how I was. That is how I was. And am I saying in any of this that like, I am 100% right and everybody I've ever been friends with is absolutely wrong? No, no. No. And I know some of you are just going to immediately take the first two minutes and run with it like that. But no, no, absolutely not. Of course not. Of course not. Especially in like middle school and high school, I was a bitch. I was a bitch. I was reactive. I reacted out of anger always. Just like anything that came to mind is coming out my mouth. That is not how I am anymore. And if I'm arguing with you and I say something, I mean it. Like, that is how serious I've gotten. And also, I, if I've fought with you recently, I do not like to fight with people. Like I've said, I still don't like conflict. Who likes conflict? But if I choose to still actively argue with you at this age, there's a problem. There's a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not saying that I want to make that clear. I've had my fair share of wrongdoings. And... In almost all of them, yeah, in almost all of them, they've been reconciled Um, because I also don't like carrying the weight of regret. It's so heavy. It is so heavy. And so I've mended with almost everybody that I've ever, I've personally thought that I've done something wrong to or like vice versa, <laughs> unless it was really, really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So this is a very easy segue into, I thought this would be the last portion of the podcast, but we'll just put it in here now because it's an easy segue, that standing up for myself is when the issues started to happen because, and I am think this is going to make some people mad that I say this, but it's just true. It is true. And the timing is impeccable. <laughs> it's impeccable. Um, it's literally right when I started to lose friends around me. When I started standing up for myself, when I started putting up boundaries is when bad relationships started going even more sour. And there was like direct, it, it was a direct parallel. <laughs> it was just a straight in your face. It was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying uh, I'm a hundred percent innocent. That's the last time I'm going to say that as well. But like for fuck's sake, it is exactly what happened. <laughs> and um, I think what it was is that for years, and a lot of these people I had been friends with since middle school, elementary school even, or like high school. So they became friends with me when I was in a completely different era. And uh, you need to read me. If you remember me, then you need to meet me now, period. <laughs> period. And I think a lot of people say that, but truly. You're not talking to the same bitch. <laughs> New phone, who this? It's not the same person. It is not the same person at all. Exterior and interior completely changed. <laughs> traded her in. Traded her in. Yeah, traded that bitch in. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is I think what the problem was, and I think where issues started to stem before I got all silly, (laughs) silly on you, Um, is that all these people knew me from elementary school, middle school, high school, when I was in a completely different era, completely different person, literally such, so reactive, so dramatic, Um, to somebody who wouldn't say anything at all and would literally let you walk all over me and, like, you could literally... Punch me in the face. You could have literally punched me in the face. And I would have just said, I probably did something. <laughs> you could have punched me in the face for no reason at all in that point of time, in the people-pleasing time. You could have just socked me. Socked me in the middle of a conversation for no reason. And I would have apologized. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then... I didn't do a 360 on them. That's something that they closely watch because that leans and teeters towards the arrow of aggression and they don't want that. They're not teaching that in recovery. No. But with time, I started getting really comfortable with standing up for myself. And it was like one of my favorite things to do. It'd give me a rush because I'm like, woo, I've never done this. I've never done this. It feels so good. But people didn't react well to it. People did not like it because it was new, it was foreign. It was respectful every time too, like nine times out of 10. The other times I misspoke or got mis, it, things got misconstrued, but still handled always respectfully and maturely and delivered with grace, except if I got pushed the envelope way too damn far. <laughs> then you get in an 18-minute audiobook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's my stance on that. So it wasn't like a plan either. It wasn't like a drawn out on a whiteboard, like I'm going to execute this plan and cut these people out. No, 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 no. And that's not what they teach either. But what it was is just like be aware of it. Be like conscientious about the relationships that are serving what you're going through right now and the relationships that may be uh, hurting the situation that you're in right now, because stress, stress was a huge one for me, it, especially at the beginning of recovery. Reducing my stress was like the number one, because it also was affecting my appetite. So having friendships that stressed me out, or like drama, arguments, fights, that's stressful. That is stressful. So it was not like a put these faces on a wall and we're gonna burn them and take him off the list and just stop talking to him. No. It was just like in your day-to-day life reflect on it. Use these tools as you need to. Is what it was. I am looking for more friends. And I have a dog with doing the zoomies behind me right now. He is zooming and weaving through chairs in the basement around the drum set or on the bike he's just he was running I think he's done now but um I am looking for more friends I'm not saying that I think I need more friends like not in a cocky way not in a I'm again not like that sounded mean I'm not saying I don't need more friends because I'm like I don't think I I'm not saying it like that I'm saying I'm not saying that it's a necessity would it be nice if I ran into somebody who could be my next best friend and like in the in the mix? I'd love that. I'm open to it, just like I said, I'm open to love. I'm open to friendship. I'm so open to friendship, but I'm scared of some of you guys, <laughs> especially after receiving hate mail. Yeah, <laughs> I'm scared of you guys I'm so scared. Because people are bullies even at like 20, and it's ridiculous. If you're not a bully, I will be your friend. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to use this as a reference just because it's something that I've been talking about a lot with my family and friends within the last few days after receiving said hate mail. I did not read all of the pages because I looked at my mom and I said it's exactly what I expected and that I simply could not take. It just simply wasn't registering. <laughs> I did not. It was not it. It was exactly what I expected and I just didn't need to see the rest of it. But the theme was, and from what I read, um, having problems in your life like, I have my this past year for me, number one, of course, has been so hard because I started eating disorder recovery, and that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life and still is. <laughs> but it continued to get worse. The year literally this past year was so bad for me for my mental health and physical health again. <laughs> I <clears throat> started recovery, I closed down my business that I started when I was 19. That like literally that process of shutting Shop Nelly down, like mentally, I mourned my business. When I shut it down mentally, I mourned that business because I created it from scratch. (laughs) It was like a baby. It was something like a child of mine. And I'm not crying. I just walked up the stairs, (laughs) gasping for breath. But I like mourned losing that business because it was like my identity, which is not healthy. I do not recommend. But that business was my identity. So I mourned shutting it down. and mourned losing it. That happened. Um, I was like also kind of like fizzling out with friends at this point because of the whole boundaries thing. Ones that I was like working on a friendship fix with. Um, what else? Like I said, I'm out of breath staying stairs um I accepted my first full-time job and that was amazing I have a lot of people asking me questions about why I ended up deciding to work at UNL, and that it seemed like very out of character for me which I didn't ever see it like that way but (laughs) pop off I like I I can kind of see it now but um I accepted that job because I needed something at that point in time that would give me health benefits. I was looking to get off of my parents' health insurance and like another thing in recovery was like slowly cutting ties with my family so that I was like financially independent from them and that I could be like independent, just an adult on my own. And so I was looking for a job after I shut Shabnali down um, that would offer me health benefits that I could cover um, eating disorder recovery. And a lot of the work that in the fashion industry, I didn't want to be in the fashion industry anymore. Um, but I was like kind of looking for jobs. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do yet in the fashion industry. And they were all freelance, like would not have been able to offer me any benefits. So it was the most stable job at the point in time. And also it was exciting to me at that point in time. And that went sour. It went so bad. It was inappropriately work horsey. And um, I really did not get along with my supervisor. We did not match in our morals. We did not match in the way that we responded to people in the workplace. We did not match in our management styles. We just simply did not match at all. And my voice was never heard. I was shut down. Imagine going to work and being shut down all fucking day long. <laughs> so yeah, that was hard too. Um, I got out of a four-year relationship. That was hard too. I... Almost got, I almost overdosed and died (laughs) in December. Yeah, dang, sorry, this is deep. Um, Yeah, I had influenza A. Nobody was watching the medications that they were prescribing me and I essentially almost overdosed. So that happened, traumatizing, hard. Um, Quit my job, hard. (laughs) Obviously I chose to do that, but still doesn't make it any easier. Um, So yeah, I had a lot going on and of course it engulfed everything about my being because it was like my entire life (laughs) yeah and apparently that's a problem to some people and those are people I don't want to be friends with I understand this is the problem let me break the problem because this clip audio clip is getting long and that backstory was quick but yeah that's essentially in the last year everything that's been going on with me (laughs) and what you may have heard like rumors and people making their own stories about but that's a quick synopsis And let's cut and break into why I'm talking about that and why I'm talking about those experiences specifically. Obviously, each friendship has been different, but this has been a reoccurring theme. And maybe it was definitely something I was talking about with my family this weekend. Maybe it is something I need to look inward and say, Damn, yeah, my life was heavy and I'm sure. Oh, I even like talked to people in my life about it. I'm sorry that, like, and if it's affecting our relationship and affecting you, please let me know because it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And maybe I, in the trenches of this crisis, missed asking a few people that, but at the same time, I was in crisis. I was literally in crisis. So the moral of the story in this is that that is like what caused one of my most recent friendships to end and truth, like a lot of other things apparently, (laughs) but um, that's one of the things and this is something that she talked about with a lot of her other friends too that she didn't love is like people coming to her when they have problems or like coming to her too much when they have problems. Which, like, some people, I can get it. Like, if that's the type of person you are and this is the type of person that this person was, doesn't really show affection, not very, like, lovey-dovey, not a bad thing, just has never how this person has been. So I could see how, um, like, someone coming to you and almost, like, looking for, like, to be nurtured, to be cared for, is something that a, someone with that personality type doesn't want Um, but I also think personally, that's what you sign up for when you're a friend is being there for somebody, no matter when it is, what time it is, what you have going on. Like being a good friend is being an ear and sometimes it can be heavy and sometimes it can be hard, but it's the same thing as a marriage. Like when you get married, you're promising to be someone's friend and be there for them through everything. (laughs) And that's what being a friend is. So, that's kind of what the theme was, is that, like, you had so much going on, it engulfed my entire life, I, you never knew anything that was going on with me, which was false, because I specifically remember asking you and talking with you about your mom and that situation, so that's BS, but anyway, um, <laughs> that, like, I remember this specific, this was, like, when I stopped reading, I scanned a lot of the other pages, but I didn't read all of them, is when this was talked about, because... If anybody sat down with me and just like walked through the last even like six months of my life with me, you would have some more grace. (laughs) You would have some more grace. I was on the streets. I was literally on the streets. Yeah, I was on the streets like in January, February (laughs) because no one would offer me the help that I needed because no one could fully understand how bad situation had gotten (laughs) yeah and then I still have people air quote they're not friends anymore hence the uh cutting out and hence the talk of you know drawing boundaries is that my friends at this point in time were not being very good support systems to me when I thought that they were they were at the very beginning but when it became crisis and like fuck like even I had no idea what was in store for me I had no light at the end of the tunnel is when I started to see who was a true friend. And I have an amazing story about Kara to tell. Oh my god, you guys might tear up. It's so cute. Before I get into the true friend... a true friend! You're here till the end! Hannah Montana on him, Yeah! Um, before I get into that, I just do also want to say, I know I'm not the only one that has had like problems either. I'm fully aware of that. Everybody has their fair share of hard things going on. Everybody's human. Everybody has family problems. Everybody has work problems. Everybody has friendship problems. Everybody has health problems. Everybody has something going on. It's never all about you. It's never just a you thing. Everybody always has shit going on. And the more that people recognize that... I think the better off everyone will be in every aspect of their life, like in customer service and friends and marriages and whatever, whatever the fuck it is, in classrooms and work relationships, you are talking to a human being, not just that person. And that person has thousands and thousands and thousands of layers of things that you have no idea about that is going on in their life. Yep. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Anyway, my story about Kara is, and oh my gosh, seriously, like she saved, she saved my life. And in this is instance, said other friend did not save my life. It was one of the other first phone calls I made and the option was chosen to not help at all. But anyway, Kara would come every, so let me back up, come to where? Um, I talked about this in a few episodes previously and is that I was my parents and my family members did not understand what the heck was going on with me. After the overdose in December, nearly overdose, um, it literally like changed all of my behavior and all of like my freaking brain chemistry because I was nearly overdosed. And I literally remember sitting, I'm not kidding, you guys, I remember sitting, I know exactly where I was at, remember exactly, like probably could pick the cushion on the couch in the old apartment we had of where I was near death hallucinating this like I had no idea but I remember it now (laughs) yeah so after that happened my like behavior changed I was very sad very emotional no interest in anything no drive for anything would literally shut down have to take a nap in the middle of the day I'm not a napper I have never really needed that trauma was not allowing me to sleep I would I was not, insom- I was not ins- insomniac, but I would have the weirdest sleeping pattern because literally my mind wouldn't shut down. Like I just was spiraling, but I was not, um, I did not have any intrusive thoughts. I was not thinking of harming myself. I was not thinking of harming others. And so that put the medical system and the mental health system in Nebraska in a really weird place because they don't help people who are just anxious. <laughs> they don't trust me. They don't, <clears throat> but Like I said a few episodes ago, um, my parents really thought something was wrong in my noggin because they didn't really know what was going on at all. Like they did not know all the underlying like circumstances. They did not know everything that was going on at work. They didn't know everything that was going on in my relationship that was going on in my home when I was in that relationship. That was going on with my friends. That was going on just with me. That was going on with eating disorder recovery. That just everything. It was like a shitstorm. I could not possibly explain it to one person in Enough time, simply. And so they um, put me in Methodist, um, CHI, Shadow Lake, um, on a mental health warrant. And so I was in there, I was stuck in there. And it wasn't out of like, we want her to be stuck in there, but it was like, I didn't know this because we were not in communication at this point, but, um, she had the medications that crossed. Um, she's still, at that point I was still taking both of them cause I didn't know about it. Um, and this was only a few months ago. Um, we want to get like the medications checked. We want to make sure that she's okay. But essentially what a mental health warrant means is that you are like locked in there and it wasn't a mental health facility. It was just an ER, which I thought was kind of sus. That's, shows you our freaking mental health situation in nebraska is so interesting it's bad it's not interesting it's just bad um but a warrant means that you're in there and you cannot be released until you get like a psyche value like a psychologist comes in and talks to you clears you and then the district attorney has to sign off of it on it for you to get released so i was essentially locked inside of this place I was locked inside of this place for four days. Um, No sunlight, anorexic, rain odds, freezing. It was ER, main floor, I believe it was in February, so it was freezing. Um, Sliding doors that opened with like negative degree temperatures. um, Didn't have food that matched my meal plan that made my IBS reactive. Oh my God, it was like a living hell. A living hell. Um, They worked their booties off in there, though, to get me out. It was awesome. Um, but the story about Kara is she knew how hard I was taking at being in there because I didn't deserve to be in there. It was even what the entire floor had agreed on. And that's why they were working so hard that to get me out of there. But since it was legally binding, there was like nothing they could do. Um, so Kara knew how down bad I was about being in there. It was like the worst, one of the worst four days of my life. Like I literally saw no light at the end of the tunnel. I had no idea when I was going to get out. I was losing weight in there because the, um, like I said, the meals that they gave you in the ER, like, were not good for me, and what I should be eating in my eating disorder. They were trying their best, but it just like, it's not a resort. It's a hospital. <laughs> it's not your home with like a kitchen and all your groceries. It's a hospital, and so she would come every day around the same time every morning, and so I always had something to look forward to. Um, because I didn't have a phone, I didn't have my watch, I didn't have anything in there, so I would just like sit and stare at a wall, cry if I didn't want to cry, I'd sleep if I wasn't sleeping, crying, or staring at a wall, I was watching um catfish or um anything else on MTV, really. (laughs) So, anyway, she'd come at the same time every day. Every day I moved rooms, so I'd give her a little room tour. (laughs) She brought me Cheez-Its one day, Um, and oh my God, I would just light up. I think I could – everyone on the first floor could tell, like in the ER, when Kara came, I was a completely different person. I just needed to see my people. I was isolated. I was lonely. I just needed to talk to somebody who knew me and knew what I was going through and knew like how just unbelievable, yeah, sounds like a movie to my friends, (laughs) yeah, like it's just what it has been and I'd make sure that we left our door open so that they could hear us like normally communicate the way that we usually do and we would just have the time of our lives we would joke around we'd laugh we'd fuck around oh my god it was the best and then on the last day when I got discharged woo, best day of my life she brought me starbucks yeah, cheers. It was so awesome. But I even, I would tell all the nurses, um, like literally just that gesture saved my life in there. Like when I talk about debilitating anxiety, when I was in there and I had no plan, I didn't know when I was getting out, my blood pressure went 137 over 100. So like, yeah, it saved my life that I got to like hug my friend and talk to my friend in my room and have her in there for like an hour every day. <laughs> Of course it did. It's the little things. Now, of course it is. So that is an example of a really good friend. That's an example of a really good friend, Kara. She She's such a good friend. And it literally like gave me hope. I was out of hope. And I'm a very hopeful person. I'm a very forward thinking person. I'm a very goal oriented person. In that hospital, I had no lick, no ounce of hope. I literally thought I was going to be in that system for either ever or for a long time or like I was just going to get tossed wherever they wanted me to go next. And she had no idea how big of a gesture just coming once a day on her way to work was. But that is like what being a friend is again. <laughs> and like maybe it inconvenience It may be it inconvenienced her on some of those days. Like one day it snowed really bad and she drove from like central Omaha out to Papillion. And her job is downtown. Like that probably inconvenienced her. But like I guarantee I'm never going to hear Kara hold that over my head because you shouldn't. Because it was just like she chose out of the kindness of her heart to make that decision to come see me. So why would you dangle it over my head in the future? She won't because she's a good friend, but that is like another concept, another theme that I'd like to touch on is, um, shaming, shaming and guilting in friendships over like good deeds that you chose to do for that person and then turning around and using it as ammo when that person is upset with you or correcting you. So yeah. As a friend or as anybody, you should never do something because you like want it to look like I'm doing this good deed because I want it to look good or I'm doing this good deed because in the future I can say I did it because if everyone kept track of things like that that they did and then used it as ammo later, well, that's pretty much what people do now and it's why everyone's pretty unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just do nice things and don't expect anything in return. Do nice things and don't hold it and dangle it over somebody's head with a fishing pole when they're mad at you or upset with you. It's manipulation is what that is. Manipulation. And, like, yeah. um, In the grand scheme of things is that, like, in all of the friendships that I've lost in the past year is that, like, it's not just this one person – who wrote the said hate mail that I'm, like, only touching on these topics about. It's that, like, these topics are spread across all of the friendships that I lost. I lost three best friends this past year out of my own choice. And I don't regret it. And it, like, I also don't see myself, like, never talking to those people again. I don't know. I have no idea. That was never the intention. But the intention was I am so unwell Our friendship has not been serving me for a while and like emotionally and mentally. And I don't see a way out of this, especially once I've already like tried to work through it a few times or in the past and like I was exhausted and I just needed to have a break. (laughs) But these themes are spread across like all people and not just one person but this one person it's easy to use these examples because it's so damn fresh like the hate mail was this week so it's so damn fresh it's really easy to like take stuff out of that because it was literally like it's fresh in my mind so nothing personal nothing like not being teed up but it's just fresh in my mind (laughs) that's all Another thing, and this is something that my mom always talked to me about, she started saying it to me when I was in middle school because, well, we've talked about middle school. Middle school is not great for me, hence the transferring. (laughs) But um, like I said, I've never been a part of a big friend group. And so in middle school, that was probably the biggest friend group I'd ever been in. And I want to say it was me, Marissa, Addie, Christina, Taylor Thomas, and like, That was the most consistent. And then like Taylor Watts, there was like a lot of, on the outside, like the people that I ended up still hanging out with in high school, but like the core, like who we hung out with the most. And I'm not, this is not like a T, it's just, this is who our friend group was, was five people. And that was the biggest I'd been in. And there were a lot of, a lot of drama, lots of problems in that friend group. (laughs) We've been known. (laughs) So did everybody else. So did everybody else. But, um, I remember like having issues and coming home and talking to her about it. And middle school is just a hard time anyway for females specifically. And she'd always say my, I think her mom always used to tell her this four quarters is better than a hundred pennies. And so you'd rather have it. I know you, it might be nice to have like a lot of friends But you may have a lot of friends that are really low quality and you have really low quality friends, but you can say I have 100 of them or you can have four quarters, less of them, higher quality and be happy with what you got, even though it's not 100. And I've always thought about that. (laughs) I've always thought about that since she told me this. And I use that quote often when my friends are struggling with their other friends or when they're losing a friend. I say, well, it's better to have four quarters than 100 pennies. And right now I have about three quarters. (laughs) Three quarters. Not including my family. I got 75 cents on (laughs) it. Yes. Another thing that I want to talk about in regard to friendships... That's something that's been pissing me off real bad lately. And one of the reasons for a breakup, one of the many, but one of the reasons, is the interpretation that men and women can't be friends without there being something going on. Yeah. It's disgusting, it's sad, and it's tragic. And you are meant to have friends of all genders and walks of life. <laughs> yeah, you are. And if you are in a friendship or relationship where they're telling you, you shouldn't, that may be a little unhealthy because I mean, as long as it's truly like it is a truly a friendship, it is truly, you just want to be that person's friend. And they're just a different gender than you, opposite sex as you. And there's no attraction. There's no plan. There's no, you know, nothing weird going on. It's allowed. (laughs) It's allowed. And it's disgusting how people look at it. Like literally right as I got out of a relationship and the minute I started like talking to somebody or texting somebody or interacting with somebody on social media, immediately shipped. Immediately shipped. They're dating. They're talking. They're going to get married. She wants to date him. That's who she was. Yeah, that's who she's. That's who she's dating now. No, (laughs) no, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not dating anybody, and I haven't been dating anybody since I got out of my relationship. So, (laughs) yeah, I just can actually have friends that are guys. Can you guys believe it? So, maybe what would be good is like what I find valuable in a friend. Maybe that would be helpful here instead of just like, because I could go in spirals and like I love talking about this because everyone's take is different. It's preference, how you want to be treated in a friendship, how you want your friendships to be shaped. It's all preference. There's no right or wrong answer unless you're in an unhealthy one. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> that is the wrong answer. Um, what I look for in a friend is someone who's funny, number one. I need somebody who's funny, as funny as me, um, can keep up with the sarcasm, can keep up with the dryness, can keep up with the wittiness. That's why Kara and I just, we go off each other so quick and hard. Like, oh my gosh, she should be my co-host on this podcast because, oh my God, (laughs) you guys would love to be a fly on the wall. It's just nonsense all the time. (laughs) all the time. And she's mentally ill like me. So (laughs) it's unhinged. It's freaking unhinged. Yeah. But you need to be as funny as me or funnier is preferred. Make me laugh. Um, Trustworthy. I need you to be trustworthy. I have some trust issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have some trust issues. So you need to be trustworthy. Um, I don't really like... And need t- to trust you with secrets, with um hard things, with personal things. Um, I need to trust that you're not gonna share it with anybody else and blab your mouth. Um I need to trust that you're, you know, a good friend and you're not tucking shit behind my back, and vice versa. There needs to be trust that's earned. Um there needs to be some um i don't know what the proper term is but a lot of my friends have this and i feel like i fall in this category like free spiritedness (laughs) is that a term just like you're willing to go with the flow like um you want to maybe go to new york next month or in a few months when it's feasible for both of us sure okay you want to go on a walk right now sure You want to go schedule this a little ahead? You want to go to this restaurant we've never tried before? Sure. Sure. Easy going. Try new things. Get out the house. Um, Yeah, I'd say those are my top three in a friend. Love those. Love those features in a friend. Another feature would just be that, like, your lifestyle doesn't make me anxious. I think is a good one because I get easily flustered. I get easily flustered by places, by situations, by people, by conversations. I get easily flustered. And like I need a a calming, a calming energy in a friend. It can't be hectic. It can't be crazy. It can't be shooting my blood <laughs> pressure, my heart rate up. Can't make my heart palpitate <laughs> with the debilitating anxiety. Give me a heart attack, seriously. I don't want my friends giving me heart attacks. Another point I think of on the topic of friendship is a wedding. Um, I have gotten to see both of my sisters get married, so I've watched both of them go through the wedding planning process. And also like picking out like their bridesmaids, like picking out bridesmaids, um, planning the whole bridesmaids like concept and the way that the system is going to work because it has to be a system. Oh my gosh, weddings are ridiculous. That's why I'm not having a traditional wedding. I'm getting eloped. I'm sorry everyone and it's not going to be a shocker. I don't have the time or energy or urge. It's going to be quick. It's going to be pain- painless and then we're going to have a party. That's all, (laughs) that's all, that is all, but I saw them go through the process of like planning their weddings, picking bridesmaids, and then also having issues with bridesmaids, seeing friendships be tested, um, seeing friendships fall out, um, seeing people get kicked out of a wedding, (laughs) that is a story and a half, (laughs) you, some of you have heard that one. About the house fire and the bachelorette party. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. um. <clears throat> Sorry. I have a loog in my throat. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> it's not like Chewbacca. <clears> oh, <throat> got to this. But my point with that is... Both of their weddings weren't that long ago. Um, Ashley's was only last fall. So that one is the one where a bridesmaid got kicked out. And I can't really report much. She's still friends with everybody else. So that's great news. But what I find interesting, and this is not just in my other sister's wedding, but I've seen it in a lot of, like, my own friend's weddings or – well, yeah, my own friend's weddings or in – like just people that I know is that like you'll have your wedding um like party um and then even like 6 months later they like don't talk to the bride anymore and it's pretty common it's pretty rampant <laughs> it's pretty rampant out there and it's not like a like be a part of the wedding and then dip i'm not saying that's what it is but like that's how inconsistent and how high and low friendships can be a lot of times you find your way back to each other most times or other times you don't, and it's just like that's what it is. It's just how friendships are. You grow as you grow as a person. You grow apart from people too. It's natural to lose people. It's natural to lose friends. If we all had the same friends that we made when we were in elementary school, we'd all be fucked. <laughs> we'd all be fucked. So like you have to kind of have these, um, but it sucks when it happens. But I'm here to let you know it happens to all of us, and you are not alone. And also, it really sucks to lose a friend, but it also sucks to lose them in like a knockdown blowout. And it like tarnishes it tarnishes a friendship, seriously. Um and it's not it's hard. You're losing a person for sure. It's just like like a breakup, a friendship breakup is what it is. Um, so yeah, but I think there's also ways to equip yourself for situations like that um so that it's not as hard on you and like doesn't crash and burn all at once and that's kind of where I was at is like building yourself to a point where like you not that you knew it was happening but like I could see that these friendships and relationships were on their way out and I could see that they like weren't going well for any of us anymore and so like what was the point either you continue on like an unhealthy friendship Or what? Sorry, my stomach's making weird noises. Um or what. Literally. So yeah, and obviously like there's a lot of hurt in like reactiveness that can come from situations like that because people's egos get tested when they're corrected or when they're like, um, someone says they don't want to be your friend anymore. Or, like, someone tells you what you do wrong in a friendship or what they saw wrong in a friendship, it hurts anyone's egos because we're human. (laughs) So, like, it's a sensitive and hard subject. And um, it happens to everyone. Everyone has had a friendship go sour, everyone's had a fight with a friend. They're tough, they're not easy, but they never stop. As you get older, they stop in, like, quantities. I feel like it's so dramatic when you're in middle school and high school and sometimes in college, too, depending on the people. But as an adult, it doesn't stop. It just stops in the quantities, in the masses. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of my epi on that. To close the video out and since the video is about friendship – I have these voice memos of I went on a walk with Kara today with her dog Miller. We went to a field club trail, Buttes, Butimus, Buttes. <laughs> and um, I w- Kara and I have talked about moving in together and being roommates again because we were only roommates for a few months my first semester at Regis, and we'd like to give it another try um it went like it went good when we lived together but like it could have gone better (laughs) and we both have talked about that but like we've been friends since and we've gotten a lot closer and we've both really like changed character development new character unlocked I think it'd go a lot better this time and but we've just been both waiting until we're like in the right situation to do it I want to move to LA ish or like California it doesn't have to be LA but like I honestly don't prefer LA, but California. I'd love to live in California. And so I was trying to sell Kara on California, and I was going to do that on our walk, and I recorded myself previous t- to the walk saying I was going to do that, and I got shut down so hard, <laughs> and I knew I was going to, I knew she was going to shut me down, <laughs> I knew it I'm going to try to sell Kara on living in California with me today. I'm going to try to sell Kara on moving Miller to California with me. (laughs) And it's going to be a really hard sell. Very hard sell. But we'll see what her other, like if she immediately strikes me down, what other warm states, Kara? Because I need to get out of (laughs) here. I need to get out of (laughs) here. And I need a roomie because shit's expensive (laughs) and the only person i want to live with is kara so (laughs) yeah i'm gonna try to sell uh california to kara today wish me luck (laughs) oh also kara said immediately no to california immediately no And she also said living anywhere that's warm all year round sounds like her literal hell. So, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, that sucks. That sucks. So bad. So, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Sucks because, yeah, we want to live together. Um... None of, neither of us really want to stay in Nebraska, but she kind of has to for a little bit. And then for school, and then she wants four seasons. I want summer all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can we get a beach in Omaha? Can we get just summer all the time in Omaha? (laughs) Somehow, Hell. Anyway, that's the episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.